You are listening to the Regent College Podcast. Hello, I'm Nick Corbin. And I'm Claire Perini. And welcome back to the Regent College Podcast. Friends, today we're talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we're talking about the implications that that has for humanity, for the individual, for humanity at large, for creation more kind of fully. And um, what does that actually mean? Like what actually is salvation? What actually is achieved in the resurrection? What actually, what does resurrection life kind of look like here and later? Yeah. And why is the bodily resurrection of Jesus important? Yeah. And it was really fun too, because we're actually physically bodily in person here. We got to talk with Ross, not through a digital screen, but in person. Indeed. Ross was really helpful in articulating and sharing about the mysteries of the resurrection and how that is connected to and its significance in the atonement Mm -hmm. of Christ as Mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. And both the life and death of Jesus are important for the here and now and for the hope to come. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you, if you've been around Regent for a while, then you will know Ross. But if you haven't, Ross Hastings is a Zimbabwean Scot and he holds two PhDs, one in chemistry and one in theology. And he teaches, uh, he teaches here at Regent and in Trinitarian theology and pastoral theology, uh, the theology and spirituality of mission and ethics, as well as the interface between science and theology. You might have heard a few uh, a few months ago, we did one, uh, a book, uh, you might know we did a podcast a few months ago on Ross's book on theological ethics. And the one where the book that we're sort of discussing and delving into today is The Resurrection of Jesus Christ, Exploring Its Theological Significance and Ongoing Relevance. So, friends, listen in uh, on our conversation with Dr. Ross Hastings. Welcome back to the Regent College podcast. Oh, thanks, Claire. We're uh, we're glad to have you back. We were just we were just joking before we started that you know of all the books that you've written. So you've written a book on the atonement. You've written one on missional God, missional church, theological ethics, and and a bunch of others. And we were like, and you wrote one on the Trinity. And then Ross was like, No, no, I didn't write one any on the Trinity. I just they're just all about the Trinity. So. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Yeah. That so, one's to come. Yeah, that one's to come. That's, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about your book on the resurrection of Jesus. Do you want to tell us how did that how did that come about? Yeah, this was really quite remarkable in my experience. I'm not an e- despite what people might think. I'm not an easy writer. I don't write easily. I was, uh-huh. I'm a scientist by by uh, profession initially, and scientists don't really write. They don't write long. They write reports yeah. and bullet points. <laughs> right. um, I, I mean, that's, I am exaggerating just a little bit, but I wasn't intending to, to write this book. I wrote it two summers ago. I had two other books on the go that summer. Um, and we were at our cottage on Vancouver Island, and I needed to go to the grocery store just for some milk or something. And we got, um, I drove, I, as I was driving back, I put CBC radio on, and they were playing Handel's The Resurrection. And I had never heard it before. I've heard the Messiah many times. I love, love the Messiah. Um, and it was so majestic. Um, it fired up my neurons, mm. stirred my soul. <laughs> yeah. And That's a good like scientist and theologian kind of thing. It like fired my neurons yeah. and fi- totally. you know, and stirred my soul. I mean, that's soul. how I would respond normally <laughs> too as well. Yeah, it was holistic. <laughs> yeah. 
so I, I, my, 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 our cottage is only five minutes away from um, the local grocer. And uh, I got into the house and I wrote a 10 chapter outline on the theology of the resurrection. Um, such was my sense of wonder and uh, about it. Um, just that the sheer cosmic significance of Jesus rising from the dead in a human body and mm -hmm. all of that means for the mm -hmm. cosmos, for humanity, mm -hmm. um, and for our salvation, right. for our future resurrection, all of those things yeah. kind of dawned on me in a, in a, in a very pithy way. So, mm. um, yeah. And of course, the resurrection is at the very heart of the Christian faith. Mm -hmm. The sheer wonder of a man who represents humanity mm -hmm. rising from the dead um, that all might live mm -hmm. spiritually and eternally uh, yeah. as embodied persons. Mm -hmm. In some sense, this book was a natural follow-up for Total Atonement. Right. Um, total Atonement um, covers the incarnation to the cross as the means of our atonement and mentions the resurrection and ascension of Jesus just a little bit. Mm -hmm. But kind of if, if the atonement um, in its darkest moment on the cross is a sign of God's no mm -hmm. over human sin mm -hmm. and the cosmos. The resurrection is God's yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, it, in in some senses, it's a it's a seal of the atonement. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and on the other hand, however, and this is a large part of the book explaining, it's not just a seal of the atonement in a judicial or forensic sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, Paul does say he was raised again for our justification, which is marvelous. Mm -hmm. um, but that's a kind of forensic concept that, that our sins are forgiven. We're made right before God. Our status before God is righteous. And, mm -hmm. and Jesus has Jesus righteousness um, is imputed to us. That's mm -hmm. a wonderful reality. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and that uh, that is a, a lovely concept. And we, we rejoice mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, in our justification. Um, and yet there's something um, that is kind of based in something deeper. Mm. I think what's going on in the being of Jesus as he rises again from the dead, uh, because remember, he, he is the representative for all, all humanity. He's the last Adam. Mm -hmm. Irenaeus speaks about him as recapitulating humanity. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, the history of Jesus um, is is the very basis for our salvation. Mm -hmm. yeah. What happens in him as well as what happens to him right. is vital for mm -hmm. our salvation. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. so good. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I'm, and we want to get into more of that because the reason you wrote this book is to dis or to share about the meaning mm -hmm. of the resurrection. But you also talk about in your book um, the, the 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 evidence for the or the oh, proof. Yes. yes. You could say for the yeah. resurrection, yeah. And um, mm -hmm. this wasn't your main point in writing yes. the book, but you do discuss this. So I wonder if we could, like, maybe just share what the evidence is for the resurrection, yes. and then how this maybe differs from what might some might call proving the resurrection or um, yes, empirical positivism, yes. empirical positivism, positivism. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thank you. So, I don't know. I don't really know what that means. So that's yeah. That's it's harder to say, let alone know what it means. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes also called logical positivism, as, uh, and that's that's in contrast to what <clears throat> is called critical realism. So uh, yeah. in other words, the word proof. Mm. Somebody tells me they can prove the resurrection of Jesus from the dead in a logical positive sense. Yeah. Um, then I'm, I'm I'm I would say they're acting out modernity and the Enlightenment. Mm. Right. Critical realism is a fairer way 
to be sure of certain things. And that's true in science as well as in theology. So if you want to say to me that the evidence surrounding the resurrection of Jesus in all the historical records, in the apostolic witness, in the witness of the church, um, the resurrection makes sense of all that evidence, mm -hmm. um, that's critical realism. Right. Yeah. You know, if I can illustrate from science for yeah. just a moment. Yeah, yeah. Please do. Uh, sometimes illustrating from science confounds people even more. But, <laughs> no, no, it's good. Go for it. You know, I'm just thinking about an electron. Has anyone actually seen an electron? Probably mm. not. Mm -hmm. Have we seen evidence of what a, of what a resurrection, of, of, sorry, of what an electron does? Um, yes, we have all kinds of evidence that points to the nature yeah. of what an electron is. Mm -hmm. right. um, you know, it has particulate nature. It also has wave nature. Uh, and, and that's the result of many, many experiments. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, can we prove by way of logical positivism what an electron looks like? No, we can't. No, but in terms yeah. of critical realism, we can say um, this is most probably what an electron looks like. Right. And, and if, it, if, if then uh, what we do with electrons adds up to our postulating about what an electron is, then we know mm -hmm. we're on sound ground. Yeah. And so yeah. si similarly for the resurrection of Jesus, um, it's, it's, there is so much evidence and it's often been called the best attested fact of history. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so I, I, maybe I'll just read a couple of quotes yeah. here that yeah, I yeah, they're in my book yeah, yeah. and I found that, that were uh, really helpful. So uh, Scottish theologian T.F. Torrens says this, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead is a historical happening, not of the kind that fades away from us and crumbles into the dust, but of the kind that remains real. And therefore, that resists corruption and moves the other way forward throughout all history to the end time and to the consummation of all things in the new creation. Jesus remains live and a real historical happening, more real and more historical than any other historical event. From this, For this is the only historical event that does not suffer from decay and is not threatened by the annihilation, by annihilation and illusion. Mm -hmm. wow. So... Um, that's that's a summary of of the great evidence for the the resurrection. And I mean, in a, in a nutshell, here are some of the things that we yeah. we can point to. Um, the the witness of of the testimony, if you like, of the eyewitness apostles mm -hmm. um, who actually sealed their witness with their own blood. Mm -hmm. um, right. Some accused them of stealing the body. Well, if that was the case, when they were on trial. Um, for saying Jesus is Lord, um, you would think they would fess up mm -hmm. and uh, try to avoid, yeah, totally. try to try to avoid martyrdom, uh -huh. but they don't. Um, you know, one of the other aspects of this is the inability to postulate any other credible alternative. Yeah, there's um, no other. Yeah, yeah, and the Jewish authorities of the day tried to uh -huh. look for all the alternatives, right. but uh -huh. they, they couldn't. Uh -huh. Um, then there's a record of the resurrection in non-Jewish writers of the time, right? Roman writers, and uh, as well as in Jewish writers. And then, of course, the oral tradition of the church was passed down through the centuries. And these are just some of the pieces yeah. of evidence that the bodily resurrection corresponds right. corresponds to all this evidence in, yeah. a, in a spirit of critical realism. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, for me, one of the most compelling. Um, pieces I ever read growing up as a young Christian, particularly in science and thinking about things like the resurrection was C.S. Lewis. Mm. And so many people know C.S. Lewis because of the Chronicles of Narnia. Mm -hmm. um, 
he he actually went through a journey of his own. He was baptized into the Church of Ireland, but he drifted from his faith. And his conversion at the age of 32 was actually due in part to the influence of Tolkien. Yeah, mm-hmm. right, right. Um, but a significant cornerstone of his faith came from his investigation into the historicity of the resurrection of Jesus mm-hmm. from the dead. Mm-hmm. And so Lewis, like the Apostle Paul, knew what was at stake with this claim. Mm-hmm. Um and, and he says, you can't be, actually be neutral about Jesus' claim that he was the Son of God and his promise that he would rise again. And here I'll just quote a little bit from Mere Christianity. He mm-hmm, says, mm-hmm. I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about Jesus. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. Mm. That is the one thing we must not say. Right. <laughs> A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be (laughs) the devil of hell. Mm. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. Mm. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Huh. Well. Yeah. yeah. So he's, and his work um, as a historian, as an English professor is uh, is telling as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It yeah. is. And that's that was really helpful sort of hearing the, the sort of, yeah, that how do we understand kind of proof or the evidence of the resurrection and mm-hmm. like, breaking it up in that way. Can you talk a little bit why you think the resurrection of the body matters mm-hmm. and therefore why the crucifixion was not actually sufficient on alone for the atonement? Um, one answer to that question is actually to frame the atonement in light of the two Adams, yep. um, the historical, uh, the, the first Adam uh, who God created, and then Jesus comes as the last Adam, sometimes called the eschatos Adam because mm-hmm. Actually, that was God's intention all all along, was Mm. to bring his incarnate son into the world as the last Adam. Um, And and so the idea is that, but if sin is committed in a human body in the first Adam, um, and as a result of our being represented by that first Adam, the penalty of death comes to all of us, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, then that needs to be reversed uh, in a human body, in the last Adam who conquered death. and that did re- already transpire in Jesus' resurrection body, and and all humanity are made alive spiritually in Christ. In the already, I'm, I'm talking here about the already, not yet. You know, mm-hmm. the, the the kingdom has come, but hasn't hasn't fully come. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus' uh, resurrection in a human body um, is, in the already sense, telling us that um, all humanity can be made alive in Christ. Mm. Um, and that we will also, however, in the not yet of the kingdom of God, uh, experience bodily, bodily resurrection. Mm-hmm. So death is associated with our bodies. We often, uh, again, uh, particularly as Western theologians, we tend to associate um, our salvation with sin. Mm-hmm. Um, the Eastern tradition has, not exclusively, but has focused on uh, death, um, right. As the result of sin, mm-hmm. and that the atonement needs to reverse death. Death, yeah. Oh, yeah. And both the death of Christ and his resurrection are involved in that. So right. Hebrews 2 tells us that through death, Jesus destroyed him who had the power of death. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. is the devil. 
Um, but uh, of course, First Corinthians 15 is that great chapter celebrating the fact that death has been overcome in the resurrection of Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, yeah, I'm not sure I would express exa it exactly as the crucifixion not being sufficient. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, it seems to me that the sufficiency of the atonement of the whole history of Jesus, right up to and including his death, is in one sense complete. Right. Because. Um, and especially, I think, uh, in that judicial sense that we were talking about yeah, earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like sin is dealt with. Yes, yeah, sin is dealt with. Yeah. Um, so the book of Hebrews celebrates the fact that uh, when he had made purgation for our sins, he sat down at the uh -huh. right hand of God. And of course, yeah. he, has to, he has to rise, rise again, again in to be able to, to sit down. down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yet there are other passages that speak of his you know, atoning death as, 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 uh, it's very difficult. I think the New Testament it speaks about his atoning death often includes the resurrection. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there are really two aspects of truth here. I think that the resurrection of Jesus is the seal of God's pleasure that what's happened in his life, death and, and life and death is sufficient. Right. Right. Yeah. That yeah. Jesus. So the father raises him from the dead in great delight saying you have accomplished the work of atonement. But at the same time, in his being raised from the death, something happens at an, shall we say, ontological level. Yeah. Something in the being of Jesus reverses death and overcomes the power of sin. Mm. Right. So right. If you like he deals with the penalty of sin leading to our justification, but he deals with the power of sin, helping us to overcome sin in our lives, sanctification, and 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 that that will ultimately be the means by which we are, are raised from the dead. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. Those are uh, two two aspects of 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 the resurrection. Um, so, in one sense, his resurrection declares the sufficiency of the atonement. On right. the other hand, it is part of that. I think that's right. something yeah. of the of the of the mystery there. Yeah, I was so, going to say it is. It's a bit of the both. It's it's sort of it. The death can't happen on its own. Yes, but it sort of is sufficient on its own. But it's made more. Mm, yeah, as you say, it's sealed. Yes. Or kind of declares God's pleasure yeah. in the in the act of the resurrection. Yes. And at the same time, you have passages in Hebrews that express beautifully how, um, so for example, chapter 6, verse 19, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure, it enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner, Jesus, has mm -hmm. entered on our behalf. So our salvation is a result of the cross, mm -hmm. but our salvation is secured and accomplished within his very being and he's at the right hand of the Father right now, and that's the source of our salvation. That's mm -hmm. the source of our hope. Mm -hmm. um, you can't really separate these things. Right. I think they, there's, a, there's yeah. a rich yeah. um, and full concept of the atonement um, that is wrapped up in his, mm -hmm. I, I actually think his atonement begins at the incarnation. Right. And then in his yeah. vicarious life. And then his vicarious death. And all three instances, he's standing in our place. He's taking our place. He's hmm. He is God the Son who takes on our humanity in order to make humanity the sons and daughters of God. Yeah. Yeah. And that whole journey of participation in um, our humanity in order that our humanity might be raised to the throne. Because mm -hmm. don't forget, Jesus at the right hand of the Father is there as a human being. Yeah. Representing our humanity. Right, right. Humanity has entered the Godhead in a very mysterious way. Yeah. At the right hand of the Father. Yeah. And we represented in him. He ascended. And of course, every time we celebrate uh, the Lord's Supper, and we we you know we think about two vectors, how he came down to be one with us, and uh, and the Holy Spirit makes his 
presence real to us. And we are caught up afresh, and 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 I think in in some kind of a sense we 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 repeat mm-hmm. the ascension, and mm-hmm. we are caught up with Jesus uh, in the ascension. So, yeah, um, those those things may appear rather complicated, and I try mm-hmm. to make sense no, of them. Yeah, totally. No, there's and there, I think there's a deep there's a mystery in it as well. And yeah. what you're hoping to do is like delve into that that mystery as much as we can understand it. And so you already kind of touched on it, but you, you said humanity, that humanity might be raised with Christ and wait, raised to the throne. But what, like, what, can you elaborate more on that? What, like what the resurrection means for us as humanity, as, as the people of God? Mm. Yeah. Um, I think it, as I said earlier, it declares God's yes over mm. humanity mm. and over creation. And I, you know, one of the things I'm I'm increasingly convinced of is that there is salvation. God God is for all humanity. When Jesus takes on humanity, He does so for humanity, um, mm. and that that is um, it, so. There is there is a salvation available for all. That that at minimum, mm. mm-hmm. um, salvation is available for all. Um, and yet there's also equal teaching in the New Testament that one must avail oneself mm. of, of that um, mm-hmm. availability. Right. Like. So Jesus has risen from the dead, representing humanity in an ontological or being sense. Mm-hmm. And therefore, I believe that, um, and there are many texts in the New Testament that point to the, the universality of that offer or the universality mm. of that accomplishment at the same time. Um, one has to, as I say, avail oneself of that. Right. One does not, um, um, you know, God doesn't force people into heaven. Mm-hmm. No. Uh, he doesn't want people there. And, and kind of both Karl Barth and C.S. Lewis said something similar in this regard. Um, God is for humanity, this provision for all, but um, God will not, um, do, God does not want those in heaven who don't want to be there. Mm-hmm. And so if you refuse God's verdict, so God's verdict of humanity and the resurrection is yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Judicially and in terms of our being, God has pronounced his yes over humanity, which is so exciting. And I think our preachers in the pulpit need to be proclaiming the the the, the this great reality that God is for humanity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Sometimes people leave church and they're not sure if God's really for us. Right. He is for us. Um so that 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 the the resurrection declares that, and and it is um, for humanity as an entity, and at the same time, it uh, on our part uh, we need by the grace of God working within us to actually um, appropriate that for ourselves, mm-hmm. <clears throat> so that we can enter into justification. Um, well, first, by by faith, we are drawn into union with Jesus, mm-hmm. and our union with Jesus results in two great graces that we talk about. John Calvin talked about justification and sanctification, the yeah. duplex gratia, which are the result of unio Christi, that is our union with Christ. That's mm-hmm. the great heart of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, re- you know, resurrection is the uh, is the wonderful seal of. Mm. Of, uh, of Jesus' atonement, um, but it's also the completion of the history of Jesus within his own being. And that's more the recapitulation model of, of the atonement mm-hmm. that Irenaeus speaks about, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that um, 
In many ways, we could summarize it this way, that the Ordo Historia becomes the Ordo Salutis. I really know. I need to explain that. Definitely, mm-hmm. You're definitely going to need to yeah. get it. Give us some English so words Latin. there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I believe so. <laughs> yeah. It's so familiar to you. Just like, I yeah. don't know what language it is. It's basically, yeah. yeah. It's saying that the order of the history of Jesus is the order of our salvation. Right. Or whatever Christ accomplished in his history, he accomplished for us and we enter into it. Right. So, right. When he was, when he came into humanity at the incarnation, um, he did that for us and our humanity, he participated in our humanity. Then he lived, he lived uh, his life. None of us live a perfect life. Mm. We all fall short. Uh, So he lives uh, what's sometimes called the vicarious humanity of Christ. Mm. And he goes to the cross where um, he works out the atonement and that uh, the mystery of that um, is, you know, it's it's um, remarkable. It yeah. is both penal substitution or penal representation. It's the victory of uh, Christus Victor. It is, you know, all of the models wrapped up. Um, and um, and then he rises. And, and so we were there in him. Mm-hmm. And then in his resurrection, we are there in him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. In his ascension, we are there in him. It's that um, idea of sometimes called Augustinian realism that we what Christ represents us. We are we are in him, mm-hmm. and that's the, that's the reality pronounced over humanity, mm-hmm. um, and that's the great universal offer. Mm-hmm. But there's also a call right. for us to respond, yeah, and yeah. and to say yes, that is true of me. Yeah. Um, yes, I need Jesus. Yeah. Um, as my personal savior, mm-hmm. and um, I need to be part of the church and uh, live into the life of God, mm-hmm. um, so that the well, all that is true of Jesus becomes true of Might me true. in a real right. lived sense. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah, yeah. That's real. That is really helpful. <clears throat> and I think maybe maybe you've sort of answered this, but I think it's we, we, like, what does it actually mean to be saved? You know, I sort of, so I think you've you've talked a little bit about that, but like, what what actually yeah, like what does it mean to – how do we actually live into the resurrection more? Therefore, sort of what does it mean to be saved? What does it mean – what exactly is salvation? I think you've sort of touched yeah. on that. But yeah. how do we live into that if if we're in Christ yes. and we're learning to yes. live into being in Christ? What does that – what does yeah. that mean? You've sort of – yeah. And even, yes. even with that too because you kind of mentioned like, yes, there's – God through Christ has said yes to humanity, and yeah. but there's also a response in that. Yes. But it seems also there's a response – for Christians, followers of Jesus, yes. even though yes, they have been saved, justified by Christ, like there's still a reality to saying yes and living into the resurrection yeah. that yeah. that Christ offers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think mm-hmm. the great the great news of the gospel uh, for all of us is not just that through faith in Jesus our sins are forgiven. Um, we actually become sons and daughters of the living God. That's the filial reality, um, but it's a consequence of our union. I think. Uh, you know, often I, I think Christians sort of think of our response as something I do mm. in light of right. what God has done. Now it's over to me. We uh-huh. think about worship that way. Yep. We think about our response and salvation. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, in fact, I think the very heart and soul of how salvation is communicated and how it's lived into in the New Testament is that even our response is graced. Right, mm. right. And we can only actually respond because we have been brought into union with Christ. Mm-hmm. Mm. The Son has be, has been brought into union with humanity, and through faith, we, by the Spirit, enter into union with Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then 
so even our faith is gifted, mm -hmm. even our faith is graced, but then the whole Christian life, when we, we begin to live it, is actually a living into the death and resurrection of Jesus. Mm -hmm. It's a participation uh, in his history, as right. I mentioned a moment, yeah, moment ago. Yeah, yeah. So for example, if you go to the epistles of the, of the New Testament, the very heart and soul of the exhortational part of the New Testament epistles have to do with living into our union with Christ who has died and risen again. Mm -hmm. The whole pattern of mostly Paul's epistles after he's uh, sort of dealt with uh, declaring what the, one, the wonders of what the gospel is, as he invites us to live into that, he does so in a way that exactly repeats what I was saying a moment ago. Mm -hmm. The order of the history of Jesus becomes the order of our salvation. Mm -hmm. So he died and rose again. Now we must die and rise again. Mm -hmm. Now we must, uh, there's a, in other words, there's a death resurrection pattern yeah, yeah. to the history of Jesus, which becomes the death resurrection pattern of the Christian life. Right. So that is in union with Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are called to two things, mortification and vivification. I know. Oh yeah, give us yeah, give terms. us some yeah, give us those. Uh, yeah. Uh, did you? My brother did you, used to listen to a band, a death metal band oh, called yeah. Mortification. Mortification. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you listen to that? No, you were I too young. I was too, you I was too, too young. young. <laughs> I'm sure if you listen to those, it'll probably explain yeah, what yeah, mortification yeah, exactly. is. Exactly. Huh? But let's let Ross yeah, explain. Yeah. I'm sure he would probably Ross give a better explanation. No, I, I believe I've heard of a band of that name <laughs> yeah, too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the word mortification is as it sounds. It's about death. Yeah. You know, we talk about rigor mortis. Mm -hmm. And uh, so mortification is the process by which every day we say, I need a fr in a fresh way, empowered by the Spirit, living into union with Christ, empowered by Him. I need to die to my old habits. I need to die to my self-orientation. Mm -hmm. um, I need to, uh, you know, I think it was Augustine and Luther both said the very essence of our sin is that we are curved in on ourselves. Yeah. And by mm -hmm. mortification, we say, that's got to stop. Mm -hmm. I, I want to look at Jesus, how he died. Um, I, you know, Christ did not only die for me, but I died with him. Mm. Is mm -hmm. the idea. Mm -hmm. We're mm -hmm. back to some kind of the ontological, the being yeah. aspects of right. this. Yeah. Uh, we're not only forgiven, we are transformed as a result of the death and resurrection of mm -hmm. Jesus from deep within our being. Mm -hmm. You know, God's re God's reality and God's estimate of us already is that you are dead mm -hmm. and that you are risen mm -hmm. because you are in Christ. Yeah. But there, nevertheless, there are practices in our Christian lives that enable us to live into that. Yeah. That enable us to claim that. Yeah. Um, the battle with sin in our lives is not over until Jesus comes. Mm -hmm. um, the kingdom has come. The kingdom has not yet fully come. The resurrection has happened. The fullness of its impact has not yet been seen. So in the meantime, we struggle on a daily basis. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, our struggles are uh, to put down what is uh, evil desires. Paul's very graphic when he describes the mm, potential and, yeah. and what we have within our, our beings. Uh, he says to Christian people in Colossians, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry because of these, the wrath of God is coming. Paul doesn't mince his words. He no. says we all yeah. have this capacity within us mm -hmm. towards selfishness, towards self-orientation, and toward lust. And you know all the good things that God gave humanity, including our sexuality, we've twisted it. Right. Yeah. And it's... Um, and sanctification is the reversal of that twisting mm. that mm -hmm. we could, that can be accomplished to some extent at least in this mm -hmm. life it comes through death it 
uh, through, through participation in the death of Christ mm-hmm. and participation in the resurrection of Christ. Mm. In that same epistle, Paul goes on to say, therefore, as God's chosen people, he, here he gets to the vivification. Vivification, mm-hmm. as it sounds, is kind of being alive. Mm-hmm. You know, we ought to be really alive people, mm-hmm. uh, not boring old um, <laughs> church people, but <laughs> but people who are alive, more alive, more fully alive, human beings fully alive, as, yeah. as Irenaeus said. Therefore, as, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, Kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Mm. The question is, how does that happen? Right, right. How do these virtues develop in us? And I want to really stress, they never develop in us apart from our union with Christ. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But on the other hand, there we need to practice our union with Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The person who helped me most in this regard um, was the beloved spiritual theologian Dallas Willard. Mm. In his book, The Great Omission, he speaks about spiritual practices that correspond to mortification and vivification. Mm. If you take all the spiritual practices that have come down to us through the tradition, I kind of have to to smile to myself sometimes when I look at the TV and I see people talking about practices that that they think are Buddhist. Um, Mm. um, There is an original Christian version Mm -hmm. um, that predated those mm-hmm. things mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and it's just the christian church has forgotten about spiritual practices yeah 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 but spiritual practices are not legalistic they're not magical what they are is practices that will enable us to practice our death to old things uh-huh. and practice our 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 life um mm. in christ so for mm-hmm. example the practice of silence mm. helps us to mm. discipline our tongues, mm-hmm. put to death those tendencies we have to speak poorly of people or, mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, the, the practice of solitude um, kind of assesses our undue need for people. Don't get mm-hmm. me wrong. Communities are a really important part mm-hmm. of Christian faith. Mm-hmm. Community is essential. We are persons in community, but at the same time, there are seasons when we need solitude where we're alone with God mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, our souls are are um can can overcome maybe the idolatry of certain people yeah. in our lives yeah yeah um and um and then similarly there the 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 graces of associated with, the, with vivification um are things like reading the bible worshiping mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, actually i i honestly think that most of the practices that the new testament encourages are communal right they're about going to church hearing the risen christ speak through his word and taking the Lord's Supper or mm-hmm. communion or the Eucharist, depending mm-hmm. on your tradition, mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. entering in. And as I mentioned a, a few moments ago, that practice of the Eucharist where there are two vectors, Christ comes down to us by the Spirit and then he ascends. We we feed on him and we're caught up afresh into him. Um, in, in many ways, the, the Lord's Supper is a, the practice of death through confession, realizing what it costs Jesus to die mm-hmm. for us. Putting to death those things that are um, that are broken impulses within us, yeah. and uh, and then freshly live, leaving in the resurrection life of Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we hope you've been enjoying this wonderful conversation. But Claire wanted to take a few seconds just to share some ways you could get involved more in the Regent College podcast. Totally, we at Regent we love people being a part of the things that we're doing, and so there's a couple of different ways you can do that. 
If you've enjoyed this conversation or any of our other conversations, let someone know. Share it with them, share it with a family member, with a friend, with someone who you think would appreciate this and would love to hear it. That's the first way. Mm-hmm. Second way, you could you could give us a rating or write a little uh, comment on one of the on wherever you listen to your podcast. That would be another great way. And then the final way that you could uh, participate with us is if you've enjoyed the podcast and you'd like to give a donation to Regent College, then we would warmly receive that. Yeah. You can do that by heading to rgnt.net forward slash give. And, you know, in the comment box, let them know that we sent you. Right, Nick? That's right. We do love hearing when people have appreciated the podcast. And so let you can let Nick know by sending an email to podcast at regent-college.edu. When Nick and I are having these conversations, it's sometimes hard for us to realise that actually people listen to these. And so when we get emails or we get a little note in the comment box on the donation page of our website, it just reminds us that people are actually listening and we love that. So please let us know that you're listening. Let us know if there are things that different profs that you'd like to hear from. We'd love to hear from you. So thanks for listening. And we hope you enjoy the rest of the conversation. If the if the resurrection, you know, we live more fully into who we are both created to be and and will be, almost like a foretaste. Like mm-hmm. we've been talking about for for us as as the church for humanity. But how does it? I guess how does it relate to the the mission of God mission though, of God, and the yeah. mission mission of the church? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a really good question. Yeah, and the kind of Christian presence in the world, sort of thing. If mm-hmm. it's, yeah, if it's if the, if there's all this good stuff going on yeah. within you and within within me, yeah, it's surely it's not just like surely it's not just about that. No, and it doesn't stop there. Right. Of, yeah. You know, one of the things I, I stress strongly in this book is that the resurrection of Jesus, as as the Christian experience, is it enables us to become more fully human, mm. and we live into the cultural mandate that uh, we recover the. And and redeem the cultural mandate, the mm-hmm. idea that we were, we are to work and to be to raise families or to be in community if we're single. All all of those mm-hmm. things are mm-hmm. part of being human. Mm-hmm. And so the product of the grace of God within our lives, unifying us with the last Adam, surprise surprise, makes us people of the last Adam. Yeah, not just forgiven, not just sons of God, but fully human, called to care for creation, and therefore called to witness to be a witness towards what creation is right and even to participate with non-christians um in many aspects of 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 what non-christians do because they're image bearers mm-hmm. so totally. so for example i there's i think there's a chapter on creation care if mm-hmm. i remember rightly mm-hmm. and uh, it's a call for christians to be at the forefront of creation care recognizing that many people who are not christian and many people of other religions participate so we can we can participate with them as we seek to recover shalom and build shalom mm-hmm. in the world. So that's mm-hmm. that's one aspect mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also want to say, I mean, I think for me, and my book, Missional God, Missional Church, uh, stresses this, there are three aspects of mission. When you, you talk about mission in churches, people hear the Great Commission. Go make disciples of all nations, yeah. baptizing them. And that's crucial. That's important. Mm-hmm. But that actually only comes within the context of the fuller command of God. Jesus is asked, What's the greatest commandment? And he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, in other words, what I argue in that book is that our attempts to be involved in the Great Commission must be uh, within the context of being people of the resurrection who value justice, mm-hmm. who value people, who value compassion. Mm-hmm. And do so in the context of the worship of God. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. there's a larger command of God, I think, than either of those two. 
so if we take the whole biblical narrative, the whole biblical story, which mm -hmm. we really treasure here at Regent so much, mm -hmm. that biblical story begins with an overarching command within which we must see the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. That's what we call the cultural mandate, mm -hmm. which is to be stewards of the earth, mm -hmm. to rule over it, not, not rule over it, not as despots, mm -hmm. um, but to care for it, to be stewards of it. And um, it was the, the great uh, moral theologian, uh, uh, Oliver O'Donovan, who said, by the resurrection um, reaffirms creation. Mm. Mm. So when Jesus rises again from the dead, mm -hmm. God is saying, I am still committed to my creation yeah. because yeah. I've risen, I've raised from the dead the last Adam, and in his body mm -hmm. I have brought about transformation. Mm -hmm. wow. That's mm -hmm. that's the ontological piece. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um now yeah, so the resurrection reaffirms creation and calls the church back to the cultural mandate. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Calls us to be fully human, calls us to, to people who at work show a sense of the significance of their work who are not just ethically upright but are right. kind of there there's a joy about them as they yeah. go about their work and, yeah. and that so i think that's that that's one of the aspects mm -hmm. of it um so this is this is quite a big question in this in the, in this in the sense that i think the great commission and the great culture the uh, great the great commandment and the cultural mandate all in some sense ultimately depend on the resurrection yeah right um hmm. and in fact if I could begin with the Great Commission, which is the charge of the Christian church to make disciples of all nations, it, that's Matthew's version, but John's version has the risen Jesus standing mm. in the midst of beleaguered disciples and telling them, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Right. Mm -hmm. But he first of all shows them his hands inside, and he, they, they were full of joy when they saw the risen Lord. And that group of 10 there, and then they add Thomas later. That group of 11 disciples literally turned the world upside down. Mm -hmm. And how and why? One of, the, one, of the, one of the reasons is they were convinced of the resurrection of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But secondly, the resurrection power of Jesus was manifest in them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because Jesus breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Wow. Where have you seen that before? Mm. You've seen it in Genesis 2, mm -hmm. where God creates the first humanity by breathing into his, their nostrils the wow. breath of life. Mm -hmm. Now, as the risen Jesus, he's actually acting as Yahweh. Mm -hmm. yeah. he, is a, he is Yahweh, as is the Father and the Spirit. But mm -hmm. Jesus, here in John chapter 20, um, breathes over his new humanity, mm. these 11 disciples. Mm -hmm. And they receive the Spirit, and they go out in the power of the risen Christ, um, hmm. So the resurrection is all important yeah. uh, for for the mission um, of the church. Mm -hmm. Wow! So in in some senses, if if the resurrection is saying yes to humanity, is yeah. it's also saying yes to creation? To, would you yes, say that is. is that absolutely. is that right that yeah, it's absolutely. that it's it's a and yeah I mean those two things are together creation humanity is creation you yeah. know and all of that but that mm. that actually the resurrection is not just saying yes to humanity. And, it's it's way bigger than that. It's that cosmic significance. It's the yeah the significance yes. of it's it's way bigger, yeah. Um, yeah, than that. Yeah, yeah. So we're sort of talking about the the sort of the here and now in terms of the resurrection, what it means yeah. for for us as believers. Yeah, um, right. And you know, um, but there's there's a there's a bit of a tension. So like, what is the what is the future? Look like? I mean, how yes. can you, it's, I yeah. mean, you, I know it's a bit hard to, but what is so? 
there is there is a life that resurrect like an eternal life that resurrection yes. enacts the, yeah. the Christ resurrection. What like what is that? What what is there to look yeah. forward to? What is that like? Yeah, yeah. And presumably it's this combination of creation and humanity. You know, humanity yeah. and all of creation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. When Christ returns, um, or when we die, basically. Yeah. So in terms of, I mean, the creation itself, uh, God has shown His commitment to His creation by raising His Son from the dead. Mm-hmm. And um, Romans 8 is a really important passage with regard to the future of creation. Mm-hmm. Creation groans and travails now, yeah. but it's longing for the manifestation of the sons of God when it will be fully restored. There are certain passages in the Bible that are, that are difficult to interpret that talk about everything burning up. And I think certain evangelicals have focused on that. Yeah. Said, well, the world's going to burn up, so why would we care about creation? Care. Yeah. Who cares about the environment? Um, you know. Mm. Yeah. So uh, whereas it seems to me that the, the tenor and tone of the whole biblical story is God's committed to his creation yeah, yeah. and all that is fallen about it as a result of the fallenness of man will be restored. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't really begin to, 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 to say what that will yeah. really look like. No, I mean, Isaiah tends to give us metaphors about that, about the, you know, the lion and the lamb will die, lie down together. Mm-hmm. And there's been all kinds of um, predictions about the fact we'll all be vegetarians. Um, <laughs> my wife's a vegetarian oh, husband for 50 years. So, um, you know, so she's happy about that, but I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just not sure myself. Yeah. Right. Um, right. I, I, so, and, and maybe that's okay. Yeah. I don't know. Is yeah. it okay that we don't know? Yeah. I think it is okay that we don't yeah. know mm-hmm. because I mean, like ecology will have to change. Right, mm-hmm. right. Um, there'll be a lot of change, and yet it will still be God's creation. Yeah, I, I, yeah. One of the most wonderful things about the resurrection, it tells us the trajectory of the whole biblical revelation. Yeah. It tells us there was a creation, there was a fall, there is redemption and resurrection, which re- reaffirms the creation in order that one day the creation will be, there'll be a consummation of the creation. Mm-hmm. In other words, the Christian story is not about the annihilation of the creation. No, mm-hmm. no. Um, it's about the uh, rest- restoration of the creation. And of course, that does have consequences for us as well. Revelation talks about the fact mm-hmm. that on that day when the new creation will come, there'll be no more pain, no more loss, no more tragedy. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to that day. Yeah, oh, that's totally. going to be a good yeah, day. That, that will be great. And as yeah. I, you know, we watch a, a, what looks like a war. A war has begun in, yeah. uh, this very day in mm-hmm. um, the Ukraine, mm-hmm. the Rus- mm-hmm. Russia invading. Um, boy, it makes us long for the new creation. Oh, gosh, totally. Um, Absolutely. But uh, so, so, so there you go. So that's one aspect of yeah. things. But I think in terms of that, that's kind of we could call that kind of big, big picture eschatology. Mm-hmm. Uh, the future things, future things mm-hmm. to do with the end, uh, the end of the end. The end, the end has already come. The end will come to its full end yeah. when Jesus returns. <laughs> yeah. if you know what I mean? But in the meantime, death happens. Mm-hmm. And so, what does the resurrection mean for? Our death when we die. Mm-hmm. What does it mean um, also for the resurrection and mm-hmm. what happens in between? And there's a great deal of mystery associated with that as well. Um, you know, if I think about the first question, mm-hmm. and, and I've, I've, I've lost a loved one. I, I lost my wife um, mm-hmm. uh, almost 14 years ago. And wow. I honestly believe she's with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And Paul, Jesus and Paul, if I can trust Jesus and I mm-hmm. can trust Paul, then I think I'm okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And that assumption, because Jesus says to the thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Paul says in two passages, um, in Philippians 1 and 2 Corinthians 5, he talks so clearly about 
Um, I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Paul's personal eschatology almost goes like this. Life is good down here in Christ for mm -hmm. me to live as Christ. It's going to be better when I die, but the best will be when the resurrection mm -hmm. happens. Mm -hmm. But this better peace, whatever... I, you know, I rest assured that people who, who are died and are in what we sometimes call the intermediate state mm -hmm. are with the Lord. That that right. I'm convinced of. Right. Um, and uh, they're not know. waiting for the final no, resurrection you know, of all things. This is, is the difficult or, part. Yeah. Their bodies are in the ground, right? Or mm -hmm. they're in ashes, dust and ashes, and um, you know that poses a difficulty for us yeah. in terms of our anthropology, in the sense that it seems as though body and soul are separate. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what you're weighing when you when you when you weigh this subject. You're weighing that anthropology, which is very uncomfortable for us because as Hebrew Christians, we believe body and soul go together. Mm -hmm. um, but there are these clear passages mm -hmm. with Paul and Jesus, which say they're with the Lord. So what in sen what sense are, are they with the Lord? Do they actually already have kind of a pre-resurrection body up there? Mm. So mm -hmm. they are embodied. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, don't I, I don't know. You don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but the, the one thing I do know, you know, personal eschatology, I often would preach it this way. Here's what I don't know. Yeah. And here's what I do know. <laughs> mm -hmm. And what I do know that I know is that because Jesus rose again from the dead, there's coming a time when um, whatever dissolution has happened at our death will be restored and we will be body, soul, and spirit together in the presence of God forever and ever in the new creation. Heaven will come to earth and we will have a new earth and uh, and that's a very wonderful thing. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. And of course, there's all kinds of questions about that too. Totally. You know, how will God put together the body in which is in the ground and these resurrection bodies um, John Polkinghorn, theologian scientist, thought a lot about this. Mm. And um, so, on the one hand, he says, "No problem for God has God has sort of a memory bank of DNA, mm -hmm. and uh, it's not, he, he knows the DNA of mm -hmm. every single person. He created them. Mm -hmm. He yeah. also knows their relational history. Mm -hmm. right. He knows everything about them. So, you know, it really doesn't pose a big problem for yeah. him and, and mm -hmm. for myself. I have to say, yeah, right. yeah." But that, that's the great yeah. hope as a result of the mm -hmm. resurrection. Because Jesus said, because I live, you also will live. Mm -hmm. yeah. Not just in terms of spiritual life, I think, but in terms of the resurrection. Yeah. Yeah. And the First Corinthians 15 is a great, great chapter yeah. to, be, to be read with great joy. Uh, for what we do know, mm -hmm. that we know yeah. that Jesus um, is coming again. And um, there is going to be a great resurrection. seems to me in the New Testament, there's a, res a resurrection of everybody, not just Christians. There's a resurrection mm -hmm. of the just and the unjust. And uh, all will go before the, the 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 great white throne judgment. Right. And um, those that point to Christ as their hope and savior will be um, forever with the Lord. Well, I, and I was just gonna. I'm kind of on that topic because my question is like, why do you think there is a gap between ah. Christ's resurrection and our resurrection? And maybe you just answered it right there. Yeah. Mm. No, I'm not sure I really answer it very well in terms of that specific question. It's a mm. great question. Um, excuse me if I, I quote another Scottish theologian. No. Wait, that's okay. Tom Torrance. <laughs> Again. <laughs> he spoke of this gap. He called it the eschatological reserve mm. created by the ascension or the resurrection of the ascension. So in other words, there's in the program of God, there's a space been created between the resurrection of Jesus and our resurrection. What's that space for? permission mm. mm -hmm. it's um 
it's for world mission. It's a space for the building of the church, the bride of Christ. Uh, I think he also meant that in that eschatological space, it's called a place of reserve because it's not the fullness mm. of the eschaton. It's not the fullness of the kingdom. Even though there are signs of the kingdom now, sometimes people do get healed when they're right. prayed for and and often they don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Because it's a reserve. It's an eschatological, eschatological reserve. Even our work, he says, is imperfect right now. Um, I mean, the, the great reality of our work as Christians in light of the resurrection is that it's a participation in the new creation. How wonderful is that? Mm-hmm. But we all know that work's not always that simple mm-hmm. and that there are unions and that there are conflicts and we struggle with our sense of significance with work. Mm-hmm. So there's a realism about that. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. why he calls it the eschatological reserve. So, mm-hmm. um, But above all, I think between uh, the ascension or, or Jesus' resurrection and his ascension and the parousia, the second coming, that keeps us from triumphalism, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, triumphalism being, yeah, everybody should be healed and we shouldn't have any sorrows right. and we should all be, we should all be rich. Right, and yep. Sh- um, you know, health, health, wealth. <laughs> yep. Kind of. Good cars, big houses. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's, uh, we, we, mm. we go through this season of mission in suffering, mm-hmm. in identification with Jesus, mm-hmm. in death, mm-hmm. in anticipation of the resurrection. Yeah. And we live into that blessed hope that is before us. Right. Yeah, it's sort of and it's sort of what you're going back to before about saying we're living into the kind of historical vicariously the historical life of Jesus in the death and resurrection. There are going to be little deaths, little resurrection, you know, yes. kind of both spiritually but also physically yes. and relationally and yeah. you know like in in this in that sense that there is this rhythm and pattern of death and resurrection. Yeah, absolutely. In creation at large and in yes, the life of the indeed, and indeed. in humanity. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like the Psalms celebrate this cycle of, of in in creation and death, the cycle of death and resurrection, mm-hmm. which seems to point. Mm-hmm. It's um, if you like, in some sense, sacramental. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to look, put, pointing forward to the death and resurrection of Jesus, which is the fulfillment of all of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that whole idea that some often in lots of things something has to die so that something else will yeah. live. That happens in creation. Yeah, and we yeah. see that we see that in. Sometimes in our own lives, relationally, it's yeah. like actually this needs to die in me so yeah. it's something more yeah. beautiful, yeah, exactly. more compelling, more exactly. more life giving, more tra- you know can yeah. actually live. But that right. some of these things need to die, or even in relationships, that yes. relationship needs Absolutely. to die Absolutely. so that actually some, something else more beautiful, yes. more whole, more shalom bringing yes. can live. Yes, we talk about our stuff. You mm-hmm. know, that we bring mm-hmm. into relationships that takes a long time to. To work through, and, mm-hmm. and you're right that that that, that stuff has to to, to die. You mm-hmm. know, the stuff of unhealthy re- mm-hmm. and, and um, mm-hmm. um, should we say abusive relationships yeah. in our past yeah. That, yeah. that we don't ignore. We're not we're not we're not into denial. No. We face it, but we recognize that there has to be um, a death yeah. um, to that relationship in that in that aspect of yeah. it, and the hope of some resurrection in the yeah. relationship as well. Yeah. 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 And that it may not, you may not get the, you may, it may not be all totally sealed up, yep. but that's okay. That the the fact that there is a right. that more eschatological yes. hope, yes, um, it's to come. Quite, it's to come still, yeah. even if it doesn't quite. Yeah, there's not this great, beautiful right. resurrection of something that was really hard and really bad. Ross, is there anything else you wanted to say that um, we've probably not? I, I I'd have to content myself with the fact that. People are hoping to. You know, I'm hoping they'll read the book. Exactly. This is the so thing. If everything. anything is not clear, yeah. If, or if there's anything where you're like, mm, I'd like to know more. Yeah. Then you need to well, read Ross's book. And I was going to mention too. I, I oh, yeah. think it's really helpful 
reading through your book, especially with a small group, I think oh, yeah. that's maybe what you intended it for because it has questions at the yeah, end of each chapter, yes. questions about the chapter, but then also like the implications for this and how you can actually practically live this out as Christians. So it's yeah. really discussion-based. I found that really helpful mm-hmm. and it'd be helpful to go through it as uh, in a small group of people, mm-hmm. specifically at a church context or something. So yeah, are, thanks are you for live that. right now? Mm-hmm. Great. I think that was a great piece. Yeah. I just thought you were talking to us. No. Yeah. <laughs> Ross, thanks so much for being with no, us. No, thank you. We're glad to have it's you. It's my pleasure. Yeah. Always a joy. Let's do and, it again uh, sometime. Yeah. Thanks, thanks Ross. Be with you, Nick, as well. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Regent College Podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To discover more about Regent College, its upcoming events, conferences, courses, and more content like this, visit rgnt.net. That is rgnt.net.